1: guys, listen, today I have a friend on, he's giving us his time and and we're going to change the focus of today's show from a lot of the business centric, growth-minded, open-minded life development, business development content that we put out and scale it back to some of the fundamentals that really, not only really, but do help when it comes to everything in life and in business. And and we're going to talk about this topic of sleep and stress today. And, And a buddy of mine that I met in RTA, Sam Miller, he's giving us his time. He's coming on and he's going to educate us on many things to include sleep and stress. And I want to make sure that everybody understands who this dude is. He's heavy on socials. He does a really good job producing content, but fundamentally does a really good job at making impacts and influencing people around the world globally, internationally, which is really cool when you take a step beyond America and Sam's not only an author, an international coach and podcaster, he's on episode 406 on his show. But he's the owner of metabolism school and, and in my humble opinion sam is the coach of coaches or better said a coach of coaches and uh dude i just want to say i'm grateful to have you here i appreciate you i met you back in may at a Arte syndicate summit on my birthday and we chopped it up a little bit. And actually, the, the interesting part about it is, I told you this story the first time we got on a call, but I remember you before we were introduced because I was standing in line to get food. And our mutual friend, I think you know Josh Shelton. Had yeah. re- just told me he lost like 70 or 90 pounds or 100 pounds or in that realm of like a lot of weight, you know? Yeah, significant weight and, loss. And he was talking about it had stalled. And this is a topic that I don't really talk about much. And I'm going to turn it over to you and let you say everything. But I'm, I'm kind of foreshadowing your expertise, right? And the first thing I asked Josh was, how much are you sleeping and how much food are you eating? And he's like, Oh, I don't really sleep. And I'm eating less than 2000 calories. And I said, okay, well, hold on a second. You're, you're 270, 280 pounds, and you're eating less than a female bikini competitor that I coached for years. Like l- women that weigh hundred to 110 pounds, eat that much food. You're three times the size and you're not sleeping. Of course, you're not losing weight. And I started talking about metabolism and adaptation and sleep and stress and cortisol, and you were locked in on me. And I didn't yeah, was even like know. Perked up. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know I was speaking your language. So, bro, thank you for being here, man. What's, what's going on. How's the life with, uh, with, with Sam Miller.
0: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This will be fun. Cause I know, you know, with Chris having a little bit more of that business audience, but we have that common intersection, which I think is personal development. And for me, you know, working with clients and even working with coaches who serve their clients, I think the health and fitness industry really um, where it shines is it's an opportunity or kind of a gateway drug into other avenues of personal development. So I think given the content you cover, and since you know I'm obviously speaking more health, fitness, nutrition realm, it's this really cool intersection. And so you know, to be at an event like we were out in May, and then all of a sudden over here, okay, you know this dude has these weight loss goals in mind. It's stalled out, and now you know we're waiting the line to to get dinner. And I'm essentially just hearing like metabolic adaptation, metabolic adaptation, stress, you know, um, all, all sorts of things that are really prompted by his past dietary decisions and lack of, you know, current recovery. And, you know, we're in, we're in a, room, we're a little bit more of an intimate setting than some of the larger business events, but still enough people where, you know, there's probably some folks who are following kind of your mainstream dietary practices, some fad dieting going on, or they just lack Definitely. the understanding of nutritional periodization and, one thing that I think we fall victim to, especially in business, is when we understand we have to have a sense of urgency around our goals, we oftentimes think more is better. And so that means, you know, more work, more inputs, sometimes less recovery, or you know, a greater calorie deficit or taking away more food, moving more. But like for this dude who's over 200 pounds, you know, getting to this place of less food, less recovery, he's gotten to a place where he's kind of like, I have nowhere to go from here. And we see this all too often in the health and fitness space, but I think especially, you know, your type A high achievers, you know, motivated individuals who have that kind of Mm -hmm. intrinsic, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. stick-to-itiveness and they're go-getters. And they apply this mentality, not only to their work and their business and their family, but also to their health. Um, And so where Chris and I really had a common thread and linked up is we're like, you know, I don't know that enough people are talking about the balance of like, yes, you need to work hard and get your stuff done, But you also need to create a level of, um, you know, recovery and optimization that allows you to continue to perform at a high level for years at a time, as opposed to cool, I just followed this 12 to 16 week diet or meal plan, and I got some weight off and yeah, I'm still getting some stuff done at work. Because eventually, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, quality of life can suffer energy levels, brain fog, we can start to run into a lot of issues, or maybe someone who previously was doing fine with that caloric subtraction, extra exercise, you know, they're losing weight. Now all of a sudden this can have a spillover into other areas where, okay, the weight loss is stalled, a little bit frustrated. I'm still working hard. You know, I'm not getting the sleep I need to. Well, that's going to show up in your work life as well. So I think where Chris and I really connected was understanding that intersection point of like, Hey, you know, it's, you can't really separate these things, you know, in order for us to perform at our best, your nutritional decisions, your sleep and recovery decisions—all those things are going to show up in terms of your daily output
1: and daily productivity. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely, very, very, very well said. And and you know, I should have said these things prior, but uh, you've been doing this for a better part of a decade, and you've also been on some big shows and written for some um, very uh, prominent. Uh, I would say articles or websites, I'm familiar with T Nation and the other ones that are in your bio. However, what I'm trying to say is you have a lot of experience when it comes to everything that we're about to discuss. You've been doing it for over a decade. In my humble opinion, it takes about a decade to really understand whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's a relationship, it's life, it's a business, it's a topic, it's a skill. And I'm enjoying how you're explaining everything because that conversation that we're referencing, I hadn't had that conversation at least in 2022 with anyone. And I know you probably have that conversation daily, if not multiple times a day. Am I wrong?
0: We definitely have that conversation pretty frequently, or we're helping, you know, health professionals to have this conversation with their clients on a regular basis. And, you know, I think one thing that's been kind of a common thread. So I started in the industry, you know, when I was about 17 or so, as far as from a professional wow. perspective, I certainly had yeah. my own health and fitness interests prior to that. But my late teens is when I first got into personal training personal training served as my gateway into nutrition and then other areas of Same. health and so from personal training and nutrition got involved with a combination of you know not only one on one coaching but doing some corporate wellness and working on a nutritional perspective as well um and doing some in person coaching and online coaching i know when you and i connected for the first time we were joking around how like online coaching of what it is today compared to what it was like 10 to 15 years ago over email yeah. and uh, you know spreadsheets and the different things that would go into it versus people using apps and things like that. So I've definitely been around the block in the industry, seen a lot of fads come and go. But one thing that I think always seems to be counterintuitive, especially to the high achiever and the person who you know understands hard work, um, and and they want to you know pursue their goals as fast as possible. Is they're like, well, how could it possibly be better for me to do less, or how could it possibly be better for me to uh, unplug or recharge or have sort of this recovery? Or as in the fitness industry, we talk about kind of parasympathetic inputs um, or the ability to kind of calm ourselves down out of this more stressed out state. And if you're a high achiever and you know you're performing at work, you know you also have maybe some fitness or athletic pursuits on the side chances are you are putting a good amount of stress on your body, um, even if it feels as though it's positive stress, even if it feels as though it's productive um, and purpose-driven. And I think that's super important. It's amazing when self-employed individuals or entrepreneurs or you know high achievers in business and in life find something they really resonate with and they want to go after it and attack it. But um, I think where people get confused is they see a lot of different sort of prominent personalities or influencers talking about, hey, yo, you you have to grind, you have to hustle, you have to do all these things. And then we're, but we're not seeing the full 24 hour picture. You know, they're saying, hey, you you need to be deliberate with your your efforts. Um, Mm -hmm. But then what happens is we have sort of these different avatars, right? We have people who are maybe more like the couch potato watching Netflix and they need to hear the message, the motivational, like, hey, you need to try hard, you need to work, you need to get it in gear, maybe have a side hustle or something like that. That's a completely different person than someone who's already burning the candle at both ends. And you know, they've got very you know, much their main so. job. they're doing extra stuff. They've got side projects, they're already going to the gym, sometimes male and female clients doing two days and things like that. So part of this is self-awareness and being able to audit, you know, am I actually, you know, doing what it is I think that I'm doing and and am I actually putting that effort forth? Um, and how long have I been doing this? And if we get to that point, like where we were in that line in May and something's no longer working for you, I think you have to kind of zoom out and do a little bit of an audit or self-assessment as to like, okay, I continue to do the same things and I'm not getting different results. Why is that happening?
1: Interesting you say self-awareness, right? Like I think, you know, my personal opinion is very aligned with yours. I I might even venture to say, I would venture to say that a lot of it is self-awareness, right? Having the awareness that all right, something's not working. Okay, what am I putting into my mind? What am I actually doing? And auditing all of the uh, variables, if you will, I think is vitally important. And listen, we're saying the same thing, right? It's just self-awareness is the precursor to be able to understand that something's wrong, right? Right. I I, I would venture to say. So in this case, right? So we're we we're, we're both very able to uh, talk someone through this situation or in your case talk a coach through how to have this conversation with someone. And we just linked up on the topics, which is really cool. But what I really want to understand is I want to, I want you to teach me about you. You said that you started off as a personal trainer. I grinned like a ding dong because I did too. When I got out of the military, I moved right into personal training and then started going to school for nutrition and exercise science. Cause I didn't know what else to do. I was like, Oh, I'm in good shape. I love working out. I'm a personal trainer. I might as well. So that was 17. Can, can you run us through um, about the past decade or so?
0: Yeah, of course. So basically my trajectory started as a personal trainer, you know, from there kind of worked at university campus recreation. I was a student coordinator of personal training at the time. I started to see a wide variety of cases because I wasn't only working with athletes. I also had the opportunity to work with different personnel, whether that be professors, you know, people from kind of within the university neighborhood, all the avatars at the time. Yeah, it was, it was everyone from faculty and staff. There were some athletes, there were people my age who were also, you know, college or grad students. So, you know, here I am, sometimes I'm working with a healthy 19 year old. And then other times, maybe I'm working with like someone who is sedentary, you know, has been working a desk job for the last 20 years, metabolically unhealthy, has all these different things going on. Get And, you know, also getting exposed on the other side to maybe there's some people who have been coming to the gym without proper instruction from a coach, and maybe they haven't been doing things properly. And I have to kind of, you know, uh, come up with an appropriate intervention strategy for that person. So that really exposed me to the different walks of life and avatars that exist within fitness. And I think while um, I later became more specialized, that first was sort of the alarm or the light bulb, where I was like, okay, So we have to understand there's a lot of context that goes into this, a lot of nuance in terms of the application of health and fitness principles. And I was really diving into nutrition at that time, both personally, as part of my health and fitness journey, also seeking out some additional education, Um, started doing online coaching. It's funny, you mentioned kind of the military. Some of my first online clients were either friends from high school or college um, that were in Afghanistan. And so we were Uh doing online coaching at the time uh, for them, and I was doing in-person around the same time. And this was like online in its infancy, pales in comparison to, um, you know, what we would have maybe seen today, just basic exchange of documents and kind of like connecting by, you know, Skype or online chat whenever you could to kind of (laughs) get that uh, coaching across and doing some basic programming. So kind of started from that foundational place, I got very interested in endocrinology, physiology as a part of my own health and fitness journey, but also what I was seeing with a lot of clients who were experiencing uh, things as a result of either chronic dieting history, or maybe, uh, you know, other things that have maybe happened in their life, high stress, you know, GI issues, things like that. And so I began to kind of dive into a little bit of the functional medicine space as well um, in my, you know, kind of late teens, I would say is the interest in endocrinology, physiology, early twenties, I kind of started to learn a little bit more about, Hey, maybe there's a little bit more of a functional approach to this, or some folks would take more of like a naturopathic approach. It certainly wasn't as trendy and we didn't have Instagram at the time. Right. We barely didn't even have like my fitness pal or anything like that. So it certainly became interested there, <clears throat> continued to do online coaching throughout grad school. Um, so that was like my side hustle, worked at some nutrition stores, just really being involved in the community where I could, After that point in time, kind of had a job, but was starting my business on the side as a side hustle, continued to progress. Like there's a lot of sort of meat to the story of what happened over that like three to five year period, but eventually was able to fully transition to just um, having my own coaching business, combination of um, doing some in person coaching, doing online coaching. And I was also working with a few companies in the area, um, both regionally and getting some different speaking opportunities to talk about. You know health and fitness and the intersection with personal development so that was kind of how i just continued to take the opportunities that um, were afforded to me at the time and followed kind of my personal interests and then around that same time uh noticed that a huge proportion of my roster was actually health and fitness coaches who were hiring me for nutrition coaching or training of their own and realized that there was really kind of this missing avenue within my business of not having a mentorship component. So slowly but surely that kind of evolved into the concept of metabolism school and the FNMS program that I run today was like, hey, there's all these coaches kind of have these questions about this. They have very similar concerns. They have clients that they could learn from, from one another. I'm like, they're working with me one-on-one in this silo, but it would be so much more powerful if we could have a community component where we can teach live, address these cases and concerns but also move through these similar topics together because especially when you're self-employed or you're an entrepreneur and you have a health and fitness business, you know, it doesn't always feel like there's other people struggling with the same things you're struggling with. So that's when I kind of, you know, decided, Hey, let's actually put this into a formal container Mm -hmm. versus just doing um, basically before I was treating it like, Hey, you know, this is just another one of my one-on-one clients. So that was kind of the evolution to, um, Today, certainly some some hiccups in there and some uh, windy roads for sure, but that's
1: kind of your big picture over the last like 10 to 15 years or so of what I've been up to. Typical, typical. It's always windy as shit, right? It's never super easy. There's always challenging or challenging pieces or hurdles or falling flat on your face or getting knocked yeah. out it's or like whatever. It's cliche it
0: success graph where they're like, yeah, we show you the linear chart. They're like, this is what success looks like. And then they're like, it's actually the squiggly line that goes backwards before you use the goals. <laughs> So Yo, some truth it, to that
1: yeah and, and I don't mean to cut you off you know it's 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 interesting it's almost a natural progression right if you're a successful nutrition coach it's like a natural progression to have these uh clients that are under you that are also doing the same thing and they're there to learn from you regardless of if you know it or not right and right. it's that progression of all right well if my Audience, and I need to understand my audience and my customers. I need to understand my customers are these people. Then, what am I doing? Is there a better way to serve them? Is there a better way to suit them? Can I create more impact? Can I create more influence? What am I doing? And I think fundamentally, that is the self awareness, right? It's the awareness of, all right these people are learning from me anyways. They're all nutrition, or many of them are nutrition coaches. How better can I serve them? And that's pure entrepreneurship, looking to solve problems within your own company, in this case, to better serve your customers and audience, because I know you understand. And most people, I don't think understand, there's a big difference between audience and your customers. But if you see the commonalities in both, perfect. You have a great segue into uh, building a business. And in this case, I would assume that's where you're at now, right?
0: Yeah. So we're, where I've kind of bridged that gap was starting a little bit more doing the coaching, doing the mentorship. I actually just one one year. It was like, um, you know, later in the year, I had this idea for this program, Q4. I just opened up my calendar and allowed people to book, you know, like 30 to 60 minute sessions, like troubleshooting, consultations of sorts. And I was just like, Hey, I've got this new idea for this pilot program. I'll help you with any case that you're struggling with. Just bring me the case. You know, I'll do my best to help you with it. If it's helpful, I would just ask for a case study or a testimonial about the experience. And, uh, I'm going to kind of build this thing for the year to launch in January of the following, uh, of the following, you know, calendar year. And so that's really how it started was, was just shifting there. And then it's pretty much just been, um, you know, incremental innovations and iterations of that program since that point in time. So it's still very business to business focused on health and fitness professionals. Uh, but I always say it's kind of the program for coaches built by coaches because my team and I, um, largely consists of 80 to 90% coaches and, uh, trying to serve them right around that time as well. Um, I was, you know, doing some speaking and corporate wellness stuff, but it, it just, there's some, uh, slow moving sort of frustrations that come along with working with larger companies in that um, takes longer time for things to get approved by HR, takes time to, to move things through even from a compensation perspective. And so I was just really looking for something that I had a bit more control over my own personal development versus kind of waiting um, for some of these larger companies that can be very bureaucratic in nature. It's not as fast moving as a small entrepreneurial enterprise so i decided hey i'm going to kind of take this into my own hands here and um at the time even though it kind of went from working with some of these brands that are more like fortune 500 companies it it was a a good pivot in that it allowed me to move more rapidly versus waiting for some of the you know uh various like paper pushing that goes on at some of these larger companies but you know in developing this program i had already cultivated an understanding of you know, executives and uh, kind of leaders in the workplace, what they needed as well. So even though I was shifting my focus to like back within the health and fitness industry, I definitely saw opportunities in how things were being implemented uh, from a corporate perspective, but also even how, you know, those high achievers, managers, directors, C-level employees and also self-employed individuals were, you know, carrying out kind of their personal development pursuits, um, which is kind of how, you know, we linked up originally in that conversation as well Is just seeing a lot of the same problems, um, you know, based on the messaging that's kind of going on there. So I am, yeah, still a hundred percent, you know, running that's kind of in the introduction when you shared the metabolism school aspect, that's really where the, um, coaching for coaches evolved was to create this program. Um is essentially was just kind of that step for me to to stay kind of full force within the health and fitness industry um, after having kind of a brief period of time where I was doing a little bit more work um, on, you know, health related to um, business leaders and uh, working with different executives and and also doing kind of uh, corporate wellness and things like that and shifting that focus. But a lot of the same principles still apply, right? Like the science of how the body works you know, that's not necessarily changing. It's how you articulate it for whatever audiences you're kind of given target. So for me, mm-hmm. I was able to apply a lot of the science that i learned and uh, just kind of shift the messaging towards like, how are we actually deploying this for a client and the end user, as opposed to, okay, this needs to be presented in a slightly different setting. So I think all of those opportunities really helped um, in terms of how I deliver some of the different methods, models, or frameworks that we use today, because I was used to teaching it to people who didn't have the same scientific background as a coach, which required me to really think about like, how do we use stories or analogies or something else to teach this as opposed to just, Hey guys, I'm going to teach you about, you know, HP axis function and your adrenals. It's like, you know, someone who's like the director of finance doesn't really care about You know that that particular function you have to understand hey if i get you to focus on recovery do these things this is actually going to enhance your productivity so you can hit goals within your department right like translating it into their objective bridge yep yeah you got to bridge it into what they're interested in so i think that was very helpful in building um, something like metabolism school and the fnms program because i understood like how do we reach the end user in terms of why do they even care about nutrition, health, physiology, et cetera. How does this actually connect to something that they're, um, they're invested in and that they care about uh, related to their performance? And, and then being able to tie it back to, okay, this is actually the evidence and the science behind it. But if you lead with that and you go into a presentation of a bunch of normal people in their white collar job, you know, you're going to land on deaf ears and probably have a lot of people falling asleep during your presentation. So it was kind of that delicate balance that really helped to serve me in the development of the program that I run today uh, because of that background and working with professionals, both inside and outside the health and fitness space.
1: So you touched on a lot and you said everything very well, very, very well said. It's very easy to understand what you're saying because you understand it so well. And I I see this pattern that you're really able to analyze who's listening to your message. You're shopping, you're shopping the room, right? You're shopping for lack of better terms, I guess, sales terms. You're shopping the room and you're able to critique and customize the message to your audience or your customer base in certain cases. And that's really cool. That's a very high level self-awareness ability for a business owner, let alone a human to be able to do. And it's 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 ve- like, for instance, my primary demographic is uh, 18 to 24 on Instagram. And my primary demographic on YouTube is 24. Uh, 20- 25 to 34. I was just making sure I didn't get the years off, right? So getting the message to those different age groups is actually slightly different. And you know this, right? So being able to package it up is really, really impressive. And my, you know, my follow-up question to you is, okay, so you're working with all these people, you're working with all these coaches, you're in front of all these people. How often do you run into the variable of inadequate sleep and increased stress
0: for sure so when i was working more um so i'll use a great example kind of keep the client um anonymous just for their privacy but was working with the vice president from a large media organization that was very involved um, with a lot of the promotions around fights uh, which often take place in Vegas or briefly during um, COVID. Those were going on in Florida for a period of time. But for the most part, we're talking about late nights, travel to the West Coast. This particular company is located on the East Coast. Leads to a lot of stress um, and demands, both from a you know travel and scheduling perspective, but also stress in the sense that we're not necessarily able to kind of fully maximize recovery the way we would if it was a week that we're training at home. So I've certainly seen it uh, with one-on-one clients in person that I've uh, worked with and online as well. And then also, you know, certainly see it with coaches and their clients. We have people who are night shift workers, first responders, um, folks who work in a hospital, all of those things can certainly impact your body's response to your food and exercise program because such a key component of that is like sleep is kind of, you know, if we had a, if we had a factory, I've kind of used this example a lot recently to explain kind of nutrition and then also um, your internal health and your body. Well, you know, if we had a factory, we would need the workers to be well-rested, communicate with each other. We don't want them on strike. We want them to be in a place of optimal productivity. We need the machinery to undergo maintenance so that we can produce our products, um, at the best possible rate at the highest possible quality. And then we have things like our raw materials. That's more of our food, right? So if I had, um, supplement company and I made protein powder, I would need the raw material coming to the factory, but I also need my workers, my systems, my scales, all of the different things that uh, you know, maybe security system for that factory. All those things have to be be performing optimally to create the best possible end product. So a lot of times when um, I see people in their transformation or high achievers. And, uh, you know, working with this on a daily basis, people kind of forget about the inside of the factory and the inner workings. They just kind of take it for granted. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm handling the raw material side. So they're handi- handling their food or they're handling like the output portion in terms of their exercise. They're not really paying attention to, okay, am I actually making sure that this is optimally, optimally maintained? You know, am I doing kind of regular service intervals, right? Like if you had you know, a very high quality vehicle, you would probably make sure to, to undergo regular maintenance. A lot of people forget those basics for their body. And I do simple reminders, like, you know, I'm literally staring at you on this computer right now. Um, I've got, you know, kind of a phone or iPad next to me. And it's like, well, we can all remember to charge our smartphone or charge our electronic devices. We don't even remember to do the same thing for ourselves. And so I use the analogy of drains and charges a lot when teaching clients and also coaches is like, Hey, your clients understand that if they want to make phone calls tomorrow, if they want to send text messages, if they want to log on Instagram, they have to plug their phone in. But yet with our bodies, we take it for granted that, you know, why are we not setting ourselves up to fully charge for the next day for optimal performance, right? So something as simple as a little kind of T-chart pro-con analysis, trains and charge analysis can really create awareness that we were talking about in terms of auditing am i taking enough and you know for some people that could be actual sleep it could be like a non-sleep deep rest protocol it could be meditation it could be going for a walk there's a lot of different things we can do that are restorative or activities or all yeah so many different things we can do to um to or you know some people take naps right there's other restorative activities we can include in someone's day to day but a lot of people do forget about that so using very concrete examples i think a great you know a great uh point of application is like you know the client who has jet lag because they have east to west coast travel or they have a, a job that requires maybe being in different states um throughout the week that's you know very clear-cut example of where sleep or stress is going to come into play and then we also have people who are you know maybe they're not traveling but based on their work it has them switching their circadian rhythm which is basically your biological clock from okay i work morning sometimes i work night sometimes i work mid-shift sometimes Basically, they have this constant change of schedule. That's kind of example or exhibit kind of B of what can be a challenge. Um, And then the third is just people who do it to themselves. They pull all-nighters. They'll randomly just, you know, compromise their sleep because they think that something else is more important when in reality, sleep is setting us up for success, optimal productivity, and really like the highest caliber brain function possible. Um, And we really need that sleep in order to recharge and perform at the highest level. But those are two or three examples that I think, um, regularly come into play when working with clients. And even sometimes health and fitness professionals are guilty of it as well, because they get caught up in this kind of, um, you know, frantic pace in, in the attempt to grow their business. Um, it can be super challenging as well.
1: Uh, (laughs) fantastic explanation. All right. So, you know, as we're getting closer to the end of the show now, let's, let's, let's dumb it down for a second in the sense of let's go really basic okay so let's say let's say that you're listening to this show and you're like all right someone in the audience is like fuck um i sh- i need to this is me like what is being talked about is me and i need to optimize my sleep all right what are maybe three things that they could do to really optimize their sleep schedule assuming that the individual has a structured work schedule
0: for sure so when it comes to sleep i think there's probably three to five things we can really look at uh some of which are going to tie back to food and exercise some are unrelated to that so one thing that can be super helpful is simply light exposure so getting outside going for a morning walk Um, having that sun exposure, uh, sort of primes both your optic nerves. You're also getting that light on your skin. So a lot of people only think of getting outside in terms of vitamin D, but it's actually incredibly important for our diurnal rhythm or circadian rhythm as well, which is kind of that biological clock that we were talking about a little bit earlier. In addition to the light exposure, we also want to pay attention to when we're going to sleep, we want to have a cool sleeping environment. So all too often, people will leave their house far too hot. Um, The best thing you can do is start to cool down your body when it's time for sleep. So, you know, uh, basically light and dark signals as well as hot and cold signals can help to prepare your body um, for sleep. Another big one, basic one, if I had to have my top three, the third thing is going to be caffeine. A lot of people are not cutting off their caffeine consumption. I'm not saying you cannot have caffeine, but a lot of people forget that caffeine um, is, you know, essentially a drug in a way, and it does have a half-life. So when you consume caffeine, just because you drink it at 2 p.m. or 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. doesn't mean it's out of your system right when you have it. So the best thing you can do is backtrack from when you would like to go to sleep and ideally cut that caffeine off in the afternoon. So if you're going to bed at 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m., you know, you probably shouldn't be consuming a massive amount of caffeine significantly after kind of your lunch or middle afternoon. That's gonna be a little bit dangerous in terms of impacting your sleep quality. So top three would be light and dark, hot and cold, and caffeine. You can also use food and exercise to impact this as well. So bear in mind, exercise is typically going to raise your core body temperature. So if you're training in the evenings, the problem with this is it's going to elevate that core body temperature. So if you're struggling to fall asleep, you might want to move your exercise up a little bit earlier in the day. Doesn't necessarily mean it's magical for fat loss or muscle building. It doesn't mean that it's going to drastically change your life, but if you're having a hard time calming down after your exercise session, or having a hard time bringing your temperature back to normal, you may wanna consider potentially moving that training up and giving a few more hours uh, before you're trying to go to sleep. Because I know a lot of people, they go to work, they try to get that training session in, they cram it in, or maybe they're going after dinner, and they may have a hard time being able to fall asleep shortly after that. That's natural, because exercise can be stimulating, it's also really elevating that body temperature. So those would be three to five really easy low-hanging fruit, um, just to kind of switch things up and improve uh and help yourself kind of wind down um before bed.
1: You know, uh so so I slept nine hours last night, nine to six a.m. Right, or nine-ish to five forty-five, give or take. I'm just rounding up to nine. Um, I do an hour walk outside every day. Um, my my temperature is set in my room to 64 in the evening. Uh my caffeine curfew is 12 p.m and my food and exercise is on point, right? I prefer to train in the morning, but I have complete time freedom, so I can right? But anyways, what I'm getting at is everything that you just said, I had to find in books, specifically Sleep Smarter by Sean Stevenson. He laid it all out for me, and I was like, yes. <laughs> and the Only thing I would ask, not that the only thing I would ask many things, the most important thing that I want to ask is since, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I think that vitamin D is most readily absorbed through the eyes. If I'm not mistaken, it's absorbed through your skin as well. When I'm walking outside with my dog at six, seven o'clock in the morning, um, most people wouldn't wear sunglasses, but I do. Should I remove my sunglasses to absorb more or I guess it absorbed the vitamin D optimally. Would you uh, agree with that? Or would you disagree? So,
0: I mean, the perk of taking the sunglasses off is, uh, well, one, like just more light can kind of come into your optic nerves. Doesn't necessarily mean you can't ever wear sunglasses, but I think a lot of people spend a lot of time in in a car, in a home, they're looking at light through the window, So getting outside and occasionally having that sun exposure without your sunglasses, even if it's five to 10 minutes, can be fantastic. Um, Obviously, if you're hanging out at the beach or something over the summer and you just want to wear your sunglasses or you're driving and it's safer for you to have sunglasses on, please, by all means, like throw your shades on for a short period of time. In the morning, though, I think it is good to get outside um, without sunglasses if possible. As far as the vitamin D aspect and absorption, there's, you know, things we have to consider like someone's uh, distance from the equator, ethnicity. There's so many factors that can influence someone's vitamin D status. So you do want to get vitamin D from food um, and it's a fat soluble vitamin. So if you are going to supplement, you want to consume it with a small amount of dietary fat. But as far as the circadian rhythm aspect, you know, if you have a pet or you just want to go outside for a walk, um, you know, with a loved one, or you're going to kind of do a solo walk, listen to a podcast or something like this, uh, I would just say try to get out earlier in the day, see, you know, part of the sunrise, um, or at least whatever's kind of earlier in the day for your schedule. And um, as long as we're getting that sun exposure, that's going to be great. And then we just want to minimize the bright light at night. So I did mention the morning component, but what's yeah. equally as important. Besides just kind of focusing on, you know, whether or not you have your sunglasses on would be just making sure like, hey, part of the thing with electronics is not only that we have light coming from electronics and we may have bright overhead lights if we're in an office or something like I'm in right now as we record this, but an additional consideration is a lot of times the messages we receive, the things that we're seeking out. The behaviors that we engage in with technology can be stimulating. If you're doing work emails, or you have somewhat of a stressful message, or you're you're scrambling to get a post together for social media or something, or you're interacting with a client, that's not always the most relaxing experience. So ideally you'd be better off reading a book, um, or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, going outside for, for a walk. Again, if that's calming for you, some people like contrast hydrotherapy, there's so many other things and tools at our disposal. Um, but one of the biggest things is kind of that early daylight and then also, um, minimizing too much technology later in the day, as far as the sunglasses, I would say it's going to depend on the length you're outside. Don't stare directly into the sun. Um, just simply being outside and, you know, look, gazing off into the distance is going to be great for your health. Um, and then if you live you know, if you're further north or further south um, or not necessarily near the equator, there might be a need to supplement. Um, You know, vitamin D is one of those micronutrients that sometimes people will have a deficiency. Fortunately, you can test that very easily in your blood work. So, you know, once a year, twice a year, super easy to just get that done. You can evaluate where you're at. And then if you need to, you can supplement accordingly. But if you are getting outside, um, can be super helpful. Understand this may vary depending on times times of year because we just naturally have more light exposure spring, summer, fall than we do during the winter. Um, so during the winter, you may need to get outside a little bit midday. We also tend to have more layers on. So your skin's probably getting a little bit less exposure. So that's where either some supplements or you know having something like good quality, you know free range egg yolks or something that's gonna provide some vitamin D as well. So you can get it from food, but also understand it's just, healthy and uh, promotes a quality circadian
1: rhythm just to get
0: outside and get sunlight whenever possible.
1: Wealth of knowledge. Well said, well said. And uh, I'll tell you, man, um, in addition to everything that you said, uh, I have heart and and I I offer this advice to piggyback off what you're saying, right? And um, hopefully help, uh, you know, as many listeners as possible that, What I teach in in my book specifically and in content is I have have curfews. 12 p.m. is my caffeine curfew. 7 p.m. is my work curfew. 7, maybe 7.30 if it's like a call or a class that I'm teaching because my mind will stay stimulated all evening long just from the energy that I have to replenish after giving it all. So fundamentally speaking the lights, the phones, everything, and everyone knows about the blue light, but also the, the UV light, all of it is very stimulating. So being in a darker room or reading, like you said, and what I wanted to add to that evening routine, which is what I call it is one of the coolest things that I ever learned to do. And that I teach is get yourself ready for the next day. If you're a meal prepper, get your meals ready. If you have a sink full of dishes, wash your dishes. If you like to pick out your clothes, like your, your outfit you're gonna wear for the day, your gym outfit, you know, sometimes I pick out three or four different watches that I'm gonna wear. Stupid stuff like that is good to wind down and kind of just take yourself away from the light and the phones and the iPads and the yep. socials and everything else. So I I think that you definitely uh took me to school and And I appreciate you giving me your time and this knowledge. And I'm gonna ask for your social medias uh, first, but after you tell me your social media, so everyone can find you, and I highly encourage everyone to find you. The content that you put out on a daily basis is extravagant. And I love it. And I always throw that like button down and I tried to share one of your one of your office memes. I, <laughs> I wish I knew Instagram better. But before I digress, I want to say, I'm going to ask you for your socials, but while I'm asking you for your socials, I want you to think about one piece of advice that you could leave us all with. Okay. Um, because this is what I do on my show. Everybody gives one piece of advice as their sign off. So think about that. And in the meantime, all right, I want to find you. I want to follow your content. I want to check out your metabolism school. I want to check out your book. I want to check out your podcast. Where do we find you, Sam?
0: Sure. So the book is going to be metabolismmadesimple.com. The book Metabolism Made Simple, Making Sense of Nutrition to Transform Metabolic Health will drop in November 2022. And this is something that's digestible for someone, whether you're a health enthusiast with your own health and fitness goals, or if you are a health, fitness, nutrition professional, looking to solidify some important concepts that will continue to be true over the course of your coaching career, so that's metabolism made simple. I also have the podcast Sam Miller Science. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, pretty much every main Hell yeah. distribution channel um, that you could possibly think of for podcast. And I spend the most time, you know, relative to things like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I'm on Instagram a little bit more than those other platforms. I'm just Sam Miller Science there as well. So that's pretty much my main handle across the board. Same same name for the podcast. Only thing that's going to be a little bit different is that book uh, for metabolismmade simple And you know, today we talked a lot about you know sleep, stress management, a little bit on self awareness as well. And so I think one thing that I could leave the audience with. Is, you know, a lot of times we have sort of these physical goals or performance goals, right? And that could be whether it's something that we're trying to achieve with our health and fitness, uh, and arguably even our work or our, you know, purpose in life or things that we're trying to do. And a lot of times it comes back to um, sort of these basic principles, which are our practices in our perception. So practices being sort of daily habits, routines, and rituals that we engage in regularly. Perception is really just our outlook on the world, the lens through which we see life. And when we are looking to make a change and achieve a specific goal, whether it's related to kind of that physical goal I mentioned, like you're trying to get lean for summer, you're trying to build muscle, um, or maybe it's related to improving your health and longevity. So you can be at your grandkids soccer game. All of those things are going to tie back to those, uh, practices and perceptions that I talked about. And the reason that that's going to be true is because it helps to improve your internal health and your physiology. Um, and by doing that, we are essentially optimizing, um, metabolic health. And, you know, with that, we can better achieve your physical goals. So if I had to leave you with one thing, it's A lot of times, things related to health, physical fitness, performance, and even performance at work can seem very, very complicated, but if we can reverse engineer and distill things down into basic activities and our outlook on some of those activities, uh, it can really, really help us to get traction in moving towards the particular goals that we have. So that would be the biggest thing. Um, Today, we talked a lot about sleep, stress management, Kind of the idea of optimization, um, and so I don't think you can truly achieve that level of optimization if you're not able to um, kind of take an audit or a little bit of self-awareness, like we talked about, and identify sort of key driving practices and behaviors and sort of principles in our daily life that are going to contribute to those overall goals. So that would be my biggest sort of overarching wisdom or piece of advice for any listener tuning into today's show.
1: Excellent advice, and there's polarities between health and fitness and life, and building a successful business. And fundamentally, it's the basics. It's the basics. It's the mundane. It's the average. It's the least complicated things, typically, that create the most distance from everybody else, whether it's living in excellent shape, or running an excellent business, or just having an excellent life. So Dude, wealth of knowledge, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, this will come out right around your book drop. So it'll be perfect for you. And uh, I wish you all of the luck with the book drop. And we talked a little bit before we got on the air about how much of a time-consuming event yeah, writing it can be, and publishing a little
0: bit of a it's a project <laughs> on top of a project, it's like having a it's, job on top of
1: your day job for sure. Yeah, and the writing is the quickest and easiest part. <laughs> but um uh, for a while. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, dude. But uh listen, man, I appreciate you and uh thank you for your time. And uh I hope that your book knocks it out of the park. I Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys.
0: Can I kick it?
1: Yes you can well, I'm to my tribe that flows in layers right now fife is a point sayer. at times i'm a studio conveyor